Hello there. Welcome to Rockin' the Difference, a podcast meant to share the experiences and information with those on their journey in the special needs world. I am your host, Chandra Neal, a mom of a young adult with special needs. My intent is to create a community where we can connect, be real, and share in the humor and the tears, challenges, and triumphs of what it's like traveling down this path that is so unique as a special needs parent. Together we can encourage and support each other as we are all rocking the difference. Hey there, welcome to episode two of Rockin' the Difference. I appreciate your being here with me. In this episode, I'm going to continue sharing my story of what brought me to this outlet of wanting to connect with all of you. All this comes down to connection in a variety of ways, and it was forged out of a place of disconnection that I went through. In the last episode, I shared how my son was diagnosed with bilateral anophthalmia, meaning he had no eyes. As many of you parents might relate, after your world is rocked by diagnosis, your neck deep in appointments, uh, doctor's appointments, and home service appointments, out of home service appointments, with people who are all trying to give you advice from a clinical perspective, And I was scared because I was in unknown territory. I didn't know how to parent a blind child. To be fair, I probably didn't know how to best parent my older kid when I became a mom just having turned 20 years old. But you lead with your heart. And as I mentioned in my last episode, I went back to work when Ryan was only two months old. So this in turn led to the end of my breastfeeding and the beginning of formula. Soon after I started the formula, I noticed that Ryan was getting really congested. And my mother-in-law noticed that too. And it got so bad that his breathing was labored and we got really concerned and took him to the ER. And our local hospital didn't have the best infant care at the time. Eventually, we were taken by ambulance to another hospital about 25 minutes away where he was evaluated and monitored and they tested him and he found out it was asthma related to allergies. And after a certain series of tests, it was identified that he was allergic not only to cow's milk in the formula, but also to cats, which we had one at the time. Ironically, that cat named Britney Spears ran away within days of me finding out this information. Or the coyotes got her. Either way, unfortunate. But her sacrifice was helpful to Ryan's health. We were in the hospital for about a week, monitoring his recovery, documenting every poop, and the beginning um, of breathing treatments that would last the next few years, and a new formula as well. A more expensive one, of course. But now my kid was blind and had asthma. I got a new formula and all the stuff I needed for the breathing treatments, and in the midst of all this, he started getting early intervention services at home. They would come in the evenings and work with Ryan on mobility and communication. So my life was now work, pick up Ryan from daycare, services, dinner, repeat. I don't want to sound like it was all bad. As overwhelming as it was for um, having somebody always working with my son, it was also a great experience to meet these people who many seemed to care about Ryan's development. They were really sweet and patient with him and me. And they offered suggestions and information on things to do to encourage his mobility 
and his speech. And I am still in contact to this day with the very first person that worked with Ryan when he was around two months old. She had a profound impact on his mobility from him beginning to crawl to walking with a cane. And you see, many blind babies don't crawl. Crawling is typically triggered by seeing something that you want to go get. And it turns out this might be difficult for Biscuit, a.k.a. Ryan. So she brought a bell, and she would ring this bell and encourage Ryan to come towards it. And he would. Probably looked more like baby Igor scooting on the ground, but it wasn't a typical crawl, but he was moving. And he would get all the praise for reaching the bell. So this developed into him reaching for the couch and pulling himself up to stand and trailing the furniture to help him learn how to walk. And many kids do this, but this was an added layer of safety for him. I wasn't sure he would, when he would walk independently. My older son walked at like nine months old, so it was really bizarre seeing someone so young walking around. And it was a hard thing not comparing the two. I think it's natural to compare milestones between children, whether or not one has special needs. But children are also different, and blind babies often walk much later than sighted ones. So Ryan started walking around 18 months, uh, and it was an amazing milestone. He would still trail walls and furniture with a hand or two, but he got to walking in open spaces, and he went from scooting like Igor to walking like Frankenstein, or Frankenstein's monster, if you want to get technical. But he was always very cautious walker, so when he would walk in open spaces, he had his two arms extended out in front of him, you know, waiting to feel what he could come upon. But two main things became more prevalent as he learned how to crawl and walk. Excuse me. First was his sleep pattern was getting worse. It was always a struggle. Maybe it was because he couldn't tell if it was light or dark outside, so there were no visual indicators. But his sleep cycle got so bad that I thought I was going to lose my mind with exhaustion. You would think that with the more activity that he was getting, that he would be tired. But I think this was all happening in the afternoon and the evening and he was getting energized. I don't know. But I was desperate. There were nights he wouldn't sleep at all. And I would just put him in the battery-operated swing right next to my bed and let him swing all night while I got a bit of rest. He wouldn't cry, so he was content and that helped my sanity. Soon after that, My best friend, Melatonin, played a big part in our lives. I would crush it up, and I'd put it in his nighttime bottle, and that started to help him get back on a normal sleep cycle. We also tried to ensure he was more stimulated during the day and a little bit, you know, had some winding down time leading into the night. A second behavior that became more prevalent is that this kid would rock. Once he knew how to sit up, he would rock. If I was laying on the floor near him, he would come over and sit on me and grab each of my thumbs in his two little hands and rock. He would rock in his high chair. He would rock sitting on someone's lap. He would rock standing up. He would rock everywhere. Along with the rocking, he started grabbing nearby toys like the toy telephone receiver or some other hard plastic object. And he would hit his jawline with it, like hard. 
I tried doing that to my face and it hurt. It would leave bruises on his face along his jaw and he would just keep doing it. And I learned that this could be typical blind babies as they need a release of their energy. They need that stimulation because they're not getting any visual stimulation. But much of the auditory stimulation he would get could be overwhelming, especially when you have no visual way to associate a sound with an activity and his language skills weren't developed yet. So I realized I needed to start describing the world around him, even if it didn't, he didn't understand it yet. I'd explain all the various sounds he would hear. I was talking a lot more than I was used to. I would describe as much as I could with things or objects. I would have him hold it, feel it, and name it for him. If we were outside, I would try to describe the weather or sounds like the wind and the sun and the rain and birds, cars, fire, trucks, music, and their artists. When we were listening to the radio in the car or at home, I would describe what I was doing. Like if I were in the kitchen making dinner, I would describe I'm getting a bowl out of the cabinet or opening the fridge or cutting vegetables anything I could do to give him perspective of what things meant and what sounds were going with what activity. Eventually, when he started talking, he would use echolalia, which is he would repeat back to me what I said. So if I said, are you hungry? He would repeat, are you hungry? Which meant yes, because if he wasn't hungry, he just wouldn't say anything or he'd get irritated if I asked and he'd cover his ears with his fists, which was kind of amusing. That's fun to deal with, by the way. He's did this again when he was a teenager, and it wasn't as amusing. Regardless, he was saying words. He learned to name parts. I'd touch on his face, then he'd touch my face and find my nose and call it out. He was also identifying objects I'd place in his hands. Huge victories. I was so proud of him. He would also be exposed to all kinds of music, nursery rhymes, to alt rock, to classic rock, to classical music, country music, pop, all the things. He would eventually start naming all the artists of the songs he recognized on the radio, and he would tell me who was playing if I didn't know. And he noticed, and he paid attention to what the DJ would say, and he'd pay attention to commercials, and he started repeating line by line commercials he'd hear, especially that Empire Carpet commercial. I think that's the first phone number he memorized and song he memorized. And he'd repeat it over and over. Plus, that commercial was on all the time. When he was almost three, he found the piano that we had in the house. And he, the first time he went over to the piano, he found the keys and started messing around with them and started playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. From never touching the piano, he found the notes and just started playing songs. Also around this time, he got his first bop it, and it has hands down been his favorite toy to this day. He has practically every make and model there is out there. And sometimes he'd even play two at a time. But with all these amazingly interesting and impressive, at least to me, achievements or milestones, there was also the flip side. These would be his reactions or behaviors outside of his home or his regularly scheduled program. He was okay with the day in and day out activities, you know, daycare or preschool or service providers coming to work with him, breathing treatments even, morning and our evening routines, all that stuff was okay. But when there was a wrench in the routine, then watch out. One thing he hated was going to the doctor, which probably a lot of kids hate. 
Um, but we had to do it a lot. So that was awesome. He hated routine checkups, like looking in his ears, getting his blood pressure taken, and of course, the dreaded eyeball appointments. It took about three of us to hold him down still enough to change out his eyeballs. And he wasn't even two and a half years old at the time, so super strong. I don't think it was until he was about 11 years old that I would leave a doctor appointment not sweating or wanting a glass of wine. Another fun behavior is that if that's what you want to call it, is that he would not poop anywhere but at home with me there. We would go on camping trips for a few days, and he wouldn't poop the whole time we were gone. He was less than two at this point, and he still would not go even in his diaper because we weren't home. Around the same age, I went on a business trip for just a couple days. He stayed home with his dad, and when I got home and I opened the door, he was there to greet me, only wearing his diaper. He acted all excited that I was home, and as he was walking towards me, he stopped, and he was standing in a semi-squat and started to poop in his diaper. Because I was finally home, therefore, he could finally go after holding it for three days. So lucky me! I'm sure many of you have dealt with bathroom issues and cleaning up a kid who's held it for a few days. It's not a pleasurable experience. Little did I know this was just the start of some of his bathroom issues. I bring this up because all these little victories and frustrations to say that many of these behaviors are related to his blindness, the rocking, the self-stimulation, the echolalia, the way he processes information that he hears, all that stuff. But many of these behaviors will diminish when they're around two or three. And with Ryan, these weren't diminishing. So it came down to acknowledging that there was something else at play. When he was five, we finally had him evaluated at the regional center. And that is a state-run program where I live, where they evaluate kids for various developmental disabilities and provide services for folks accordingly. And they evaluated his behavior, his intellectual functioning, his communication and language, his adaptive and self-care abilities, and motor functioning. And after this evaluation and interviews with me, they came up with a primary diagnosis of autistic disorder. This also came with a provisional diagnosis of mild mental retardation. So speech therapy and intensive behavioral intervention and special education programming, including adaptive PE and occupational therapy, were recommended. There are so many things that I've learned along this journey that I wish I knew or had the wherewithal to say or ask of professionals evaluating my son. But starting out, you just don't know. You feel like, you know, they're the professionals. They would know best. One thing I learned about this agency is they don't work with blind people. They do if they have a developmental disability, but not if he were only blind. And because of that, I don't feel like he was evaluated in a capacity to take into account that all of his development up until this point was without vision. What was frustrating about reading the report is that many of the criteria he was evaluated against wouldn't apply to him, like lack of eye contact, for example or facial expressions. And I don't know the latest statistics, but when I was deep into you know researching all this information back then, uh, I learned around 80% of how a baby or a child learns is visual. They observe and they imitate. And that's not really happening with Biscuit. 
Regardless, I knew the autism was there. I'm not saying that that diagnosis was wrong, but I believe it would have been a little different or had a different spin to it if there was a way to evaluate his blindness with the testing that they provided. But there it was, the A-bomb. He was autistic and blind. And even though I knew there was more going on with him than just being blind, the diagnosis pissed me off at first. I was offended that they called him provisionally mentally retarded. They didn't know he could name all the artists on the radio or recite phone numbers he heard on commercials or play songs on the piano or play the bop it and get a perfect score when he was three. How is that provisionally mentally retarded? This provision was eventually dropped, but again, it was another whirlwind in the world of autism. This meant more appointments and now behavioral intervention services. He qualified for 23 hours a week for services. This is like a part-time job. Mind you, I was working full-time where I had to commute two hours daily. During all this, it also happened to coincide when I was separating from my husband at the time. I was moving out, trying to create a new home for my boys. So yeah, a lot was going on. And I was emotionally exhausted. I was trying to figure out how to do the best I could for Ryan and also engage my older son, who was almost a teenager. I don't think you realize how strong you are until you have no other choice, right? There are too many times to count as a parent of a special needs kid how much you juggle to make things work, how much you endure and sacrifice, and how quickly you have to pivot and how heavy life can feel. With the autism diagnosis, that heaviness hit me hard. Before that, I'd seen and researched how many blind people have amazingly independent lives, mainstreaming through school, socializing, making friends, going to college, having careers and families of their own. Now I had another anchor attached to this journey, which made me wonder, how independent will he be? Will he be with me forever? Will he be able to do anything independently? Will he ever poop on the toilet and wipe his own butt? Oh, this poop top's just the beginning. The worry and the fears are always going to be there. They show up in different ways. They evolve. It's a trauma to my being and a grief that will be with me forever. And it doesn't go away. But I've grown around the grief. And I learned to adapt. And most of all, I love my son with everything in my heart. And I want him to have the fullest life. And hidden in the background of my love and grief is acceptance. I accepted it by reaching out for guidance and information and getting him early intervention services. But there is that reality of acceptance that this is who he is. And this is part of me too. And the path of least resistance is to accept it. It doesn't mean it's what I wanted for me or for him or for my family but not accepting it isn't going to change anything and it's not going to help him it would be doing him a disservice and I had to shift gears and focus on how do I make this path an amazing one and it doesn't mean I forged on forward with all the strength and resilience with this new empowered mindset I struggled I made mistakes and I learned from them one of the many things I've learned 
is that in order for him to have a full life, is that I need to have my cup full. And believe me, I know that this isn't an easy feat. And many times I am maybe halfway full. And I say this from the experiences I have gone through. But it was something that took me many years to learn and get better at. But just like when you're on the airplane, right? And they're doing that safety demo and they tell you to give yourself the oxygen first before your kid. Well, this applies here too. And due to my separation, I was feeling a little bit more detached. And it also happened to be around the same time that Facebook was blowing up. So I created an account and was finally getting in touch with friends that I barely saw anymore. And I reached out to some of them and they responded. And I didn't realize how lonely I was from that aspect of my life and how much I needed that interaction with normal life and with my friends and people outside of doctors and service providers and everything that reminded me of how much my life had changed. And it didn't take much to fill my cup in that moment. What it was for me right then and there was for an old friend to come to my new home and sit with me and be with my kids and see my crazy life and see me and just listen and be there. I needed that more than I knew. So Anne, if you're listening, thank you. I love you forever. And I hope for you, if you're feeling lost or disconnected, is there something you can do to show self-care, something simple? I urge you to try. This can be done in so many ways, like calling a friend, taking time to meditate or pray or exercise or go to lunch with your mom or go on a walk. And I know this isn't an easy thing to do for many of you because you have so much you're dealing with. But would you feel better if you heard a friend's voice or connected with somebody, even a text? A fuller you means you can give in a fuller way to your child. And this leads me to say that what I have found most important on my journey is connection. We humans are social animals and this doesn't change when we are thrown a curveball. So in my next episode, I want to delve into what that connection looks like for me. I would like to release an episode every three weeks. I want to get the hang of this a little bit more. I will go for every two weeks. But until then, thank you for being here and listening. And I would love it if you wouldn't mind taking the time to rate and review this podcast. It helps it become a recognized podcast in this special needs space. Also, if you wanted to reach out to me and share your thoughts or ideas, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at rockinthedifference at gmail.com. That's R-O-C-K-I-N-T-H-E-D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E at gmail.com. And you can also DM me on Instagram at rockin underscore the underscore difference. And until next time, take care of you, take care of those special people in your life, and keep rocking the difference.